Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Explicit Measures podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Hello. Nice to see you guys again. Likewise. Good morning. Always. I'm going to oh, be... Tommy, you're in, a, you're in a punchy mood this morning. Punchy? I, I feel Maybe happy. You're... Yeah, happy. That's I'm going to be I mean. honest. I'm, I'm, I'm a... going to be punchy again. I'm going to... I was going to say, I was, I'm... Oh, I, I'm not man. running that much sleep tonight uh, last night. So um, yeah. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a bit all over the board, I'm, I'm sure today. And I was gonna make a comment here. I was writing it down as we were joining the intro here. I was like, I think Michael talks in third party. Michael gets talks in third party <laughs> when he gets a little tired uh, and he hasn't had as much sleep. So I was thinking I was thinking oh, anyways. I, I listen, the expectations are higher for both of you was I, I posted on LinkedIn on Twitter for the episode. I said, Mike and Seth are gonna take something super mundane and make it exciting. So I, I you know, Tommy's like, show so... me the show me the money. <laughs> make it exciting. Let's go. Don't let me down seven. Entertain. <laughs> Well, I'm not sure how well we'll do with this. We'll, oh boy. We're going to start. We'll just, we'll just kind of roll with it and we'll see what yeah. happens. Those who saw the post and are expecting something really neat. Sorry. I was at a, I was in a, uh, I guess I can talk about this. Uh, I was in a phone call uh, with uh, the Microsoft MVP team uh, this yesterday. And they're talking about, you know, how do you, how do you prepare your contri contributions to become an MVP of this stuff? I had someone in the chat window smartly say, Hey, is that microphone going for an MVP? Because that thing is so big in front of your face. Uh, you should maybe it should get nominated for an MVP. I was like, that's funny. Uh, that that was a good joke, and I thought that was hilarious. It's like, yeah, the microphone is pretty large and in charge. So I'll just yeah. acknowledge it and move on. You took that better than I would. I would have been like, hopefully your face gets nominated. Right? <laughs> Anyways, I I guess on camera maybe it's maybe it's the lens. It's probably the lens. It's really this cup looks like the, the size of my head. This microphone looks ginormously large. I, I think it's just because of the it's the, the way the angle. Yeah, yeah it, I'm literally right on top to of the camera. The camera Especially you... when you leave the coffee mug like right in front of the camera, <laughs> which sometimes you tend to do. I, yeah, right down here. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, Michael must be very small, nice or the coffee cup must be very large. Michael hasn't slept in three weeks. That's what I hear. Yeah. Oh, it's been a little bit crazy. Good morning to the riveting conversation of the Explicit Measures podcast. We're happy you're joining us in our. <laughs> Delir delirium morning delirium yes it sounds like it let's get through some uh intro pieces here and then we'll jump right into um our actual topic for the day so quick quick a couple announcements here i just want to let you know if you're listening longtime listener of the explicit measures podcast sequel bits you may have heard of is a conference that's coming up here in the march time frame march 14th through 18th you can learn more information at sequelbits.com we have a discount code for you so um, don't say we never gave you anything here at Power BI Tips. You can get 5% off your ticket registration by using the code Power BI Tips 5 in order to get 5% off your ticket registration. The tickets are not super cheap either. It's So 5% off would, would be pretty good. So anyways, um, that's one of our announcements. Another one coming up is there's a, if you can't make it to SQL Bits, which is at the ICC Wales, you could attend the Power BI Virtual Summit our buddy Reza Rad over in New Zealand is putting on an amazing conference. He does a great job, super professional, really like the content and the people he's pulling together. March 6th through 10th, called the Global Power BI Summit. You can visit globalpowerbisummit.com and go um, register there to attend that event. Um, one other announcement here, and I, I really hope he's on the chat listening here live. 
we have a special announcement from Greg Baldini, the the DAX expert himself. Uh, I definitely want to give it. This is this is a non-paid thing. None of this stuff is paid, honestly. By the way, uh, we don't do any paid sponsorships. This is just us uh, trying to help out people across the community because we like it so much. Uh, there is a new tool uh, out called Argus. I guess it's called Argus BI. Argus, I think, is the name of the program. Uh, Greg Bellini and has been working on a um, software suite that helps you track, update, get lineage, uh, monitor all of your things around Power BI. So visit ArgusBI.com. That's Greg's new project. And it looks amazing. I've been talking to Greg with it a little bit on the side here. They've got some really great goals for the for the program, and I really think you should take a look at it. So it's going to help uh, you monitor your Power BI environment, listen up and talk about what's happening, who's downloading what resources. Um, I'll get into a little bit more, and you'll see if I can get Greg to give me a little uh, demo, and I can t speak more intelligently about the actual program. So anyways, we like Greg. You're doing a great job on the program. We wanted to give you a, a shout out there, Greg. All right. Any like other? Kind of, Ar Ar I feel like there's a pronunciation thing. I just need to know, Greg. Is it is it Argus or Argus? Is it oh yeah, G I'm, I'm Argus? saying Argus. Yes, I'm yeah. saying I think anyway, Argus. You think Argus? I think it's Argus. Argus, like the J. You're wrong. Let yeah, us know in the I, chat. So Greg, Greg anyway. will correct us. He's already on the chat, and I hear him. Yeah, I, I don't even know. I got to look up. Is this? <laughs> is there a meaning behind this word? <laughs> So in other news, let's talk about quickly some things that came off the Power BI blog. Um, one that I'm very excited about, and I think speaks a lot to the enterprise grade of things that Microsoft is investing in. So uh, Kai Uncroth, which is which, funnily enough, Kai doesn't have a Twitter handle. I tried to tweet some this message yesterday, and he's not on yeah. Twitter apparently. No, so he's not. <laughs> Kai, get on Twitter, man. I, maybe you. I know. You, I know social media is maybe not your thing, but I tried to give you a little shout out. Uh, yesterday, but thank you for delivering the announcement of the public preview of Power BI dataset scale out. This looks really interesting where you can push a Power BI legacy client or whatever, you know, desktop it sounds like. You can push a, a legacy uh, desktop or you can use external tools. You can push to a replica master and then that replica master will then, you know, repeat or rebuild or build additional data sets will scale out that data model for multiple users. I think this is a really interesting feature here. What do you guys think about it? You can take a look at the blog article and read up about it a little bit. I did. Just waiting to see if Tommy wants to pop in here. I think this is way down your realm. I, I don't think I have nearly as Got much it. to contribute as, as Mr. Right. Bauer here. I'm, I'm super stoked on this one. Right. So, mm -hmm. so yes, it, it looks like it, like essentially what this is doing is creating some pretty significant performance improvements in the back end. Mm -hmm. And from what I, from what it looks like, you know, pretty easy to just turn on and it automatically will take care of this stuff for you on the back end where you're essentially having a read only replica that allows you to, you know, do get the three main things that they point out, right? One, it's cost efficient data set scalability, right? So um, it should improve that threshold that you have right now, where as your models get really big um, and you may be doing incremental refresh on them, like you can refresh more if you have to like uh, refresh, do a full refresh, right? <clears throat> where you're essentially gonna stretch out that, you know, 30 gig to maybe more because mm -hmm. you're not utilize you're utilizing 
like this read-only replica, read, well, the read-write one that will um, give you the space you need and then compress it back down before passing it off to the read-only, which is where all your reports are going to be plugged into. So that reliability and performance for refresh also seems amazing because what it does is um, apparently refresh in the back end and then it'll kind of like swap it, right? So your report doesn't have any downtime. Whereas like sometimes that can happen where you're like refreshing a report. If it's a full refresh, like sometimes the report isn't operating the way you would expect it to. Um, but that isolation it certainly should improve how how well your your refreshes occur. One of the things that will be interesting to test out as I get stuck into here is um, if if I'm doing a full refresh on a report and it fails, right? Like it kills the data set or like it, like will it just it should just retain the front end. The report should never be down, right? Mm -hmm. So that's yes. that's where this benefit comes in because typically you would ensure that before you would swap all your data is there, it's all set to go and if they're managing all of this for you on the back end, like that's crazy. That's super cool. So, um I'm super excited about this one. It's I'm not going to say it's janky, but like for you have to know what you're doing, right? There's an enablement in the tenant um, that I think they said is, is by default enabled. But in order to turn it on, you've got to write an XMLA script and execute it against a particular workspace. But it sounds like as things go more towards GA, it'll just be like, turn it on for my whole capacity. So obviously we're talking premium. Right, licensing yeah. like this is a premium core thing, but like the it's got to use the you, right? Yeah, man. What I love is they just keep enhancing. Like these are big, big improvements. Like from a enterprise data structure side, that like they're just you need keeping, to have keeping in premium. So like uh, for for those of us on premium, it's fantastic because it's like man, that's that's a massive improvement to my existing ecosystem. Like. This lets me stay on the current capacity I'm at for quite a while. Like it, it that enhancement. Yeah. But I know at the same time what it should be doing is um, pushing those folks that don't have premium in into an arena where it's just like, man, this this whole thing makes sense because we now have all these enterprise features as well. So it, it's it's pretty slick. And the only the only I'm not gonna say downside, but if you dive into the actual documentation. Um, the, the fun stuff with documentation, if you didn't know this, is always way at the end. So it's under <laughs> cons it's under considerations, considerations and limitations. And limitations. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> the one the only one that caught my eye that would be interesting was um, or, or challenging to me would be uh, the last point when when the Power BI data set scale is turned on, changes to either model rules for RLS or OLS aren't supported. Right. Oh. So you probably have to re I don't know what that something? means. You have yeah. to redeploy the entire model, or it just yeah. means like once you set that model up, you're you're gonna have problems. So, like little, not little, but like there are, there are a few caveats of like testing it out and um, uh, yeah, well, it says what, the, what sort of performance gains we we get. But man, the, the cool. final option in that list or the the little note there, when Power BI data set scale out is turned on, you can't change those things. However. To make changes to the features, you need to disable the disable scale, out scale feature. Out. Wait a few minutes. Oh, okay. And then, and then oh, well, that's easy. Wait then, for the, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like a that, but that's that's one of those like why, gotcha. why did my entire my why did my entire report stop working? <laughs> like why did my data set and all my reports? Well, right? Where's my RLS? It's like well, 
that's the caveat where you probably got to like turn it off first and do the changes, turn it back on. And you know, that's going to be one of the priorities too. They're going to fix like, because it's public preview. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Either, either way, guys, like this, like for them to automatically be doing this in the background, like this, this is a lot of time otherwise where you're doing, you know, availability groups, read only replicas, et cetera. And, you know, SQL and, and, my experience back there like there's a there's a lot involved in especially in that communication between all that stuff so this is well done kai this is this is a huge improvement i look forward to playing with this one and seeing seeing what it does okay i'm going to say one thing here and then i'll this is i love the feature i think it's good i've already jumped into my microsoft admin portion of the tenant i've looked at it and i'm like oh interesting you can turn it on or you can turn it off there is no it's like all on or all off. So it's an tenant wide oh. setting. You can't oh, set it on. You're saying you can't set it by resource team. group. Yeah. So I don't get the I don't get the control ability at the re, at the at the user level to say okay these users can turn these workspaces on or off. I would ex, I would have expected it's not an entire organization level thing because they're able to turn it on and off by workspace. So I would I would this is sound this feels similar to what happened with data marts when they rolled those out. It's initially that the feature came out with a Hey, it's on for everyone or it's off for everyone. So yeah. I don't really so we'll love see. that feature. We'll see how, how, it, how it gets deployed to GA will be interesting. I think they mentioned in the article, but like what the, the key points were right now, you actually like the tenant, it is a tenant wide setting, but you yes. can only enable this by workspace through Correct. the XML query. And that would make so sense though. Because yeah, your data set other, needs to be on a large data set mode to do it. And that's the other point, right? Yeah. You have to have your uh, workspaces and data sets in like large, large data set format yes. for this to work. And you also need obviously XMLA read, write Because you wouldn't be able to enable the script. But, I think this is going to solve a lot of people's challenges or issues with, with within the, um, the power BI ecosystem, especially for that. I'm, yeah. Larger excited, scale. Excited to try them out. Yeah. That'd be interesting. I'll be curious to, so we'll have to have a podcast specifically around this feature just to kind of get a feel yeah. for how's the feature working? What are, the, what are some edge cases here as we, start playing around with those. Yeah. Uh, and I have a good one too, right? <laughs> because especially in, in the, you know, that scaling out per, per data set, uh, during like a high, high peak times of usage. Mm-hmm. Yes. It'll be, I'll be really interested to see where like I get an 80 or a hundred percent capacity, you know, message every once in a while where mm-hmm. I'm really getting, you know, the snap beat out of, uh, my capacity, whether or not this like starts to alleviate a lot of that um, by, by devoting more resources towards, you know, the data sets that are getting hammered the most. Excellent. Wonderful. Anything else? There's I one believe, more. Yes. I have I one have more update from Tommy. Update. So uh, I, right, Tommy. I did say I was going to follow up with one of our <laughs> previous episodes was on, should you use the search feature in Power BI? and okay uh, all right what, to, yeah what, what does tommy think so, about the new ser- okay and we were i think in this conversation just to give a little context here for the people who didn't listen to the episode we were kind of heatedly debating whether or not you should use the search item inside the fields pane is this where you're going with this tommy that the fields pane yes, the field should pane. you use the search field in the fields pane to go find records of things and seth and i were kind of in the camp of you should use it it makes it easier to just find a couple columns that you're looking for and survey says man uh, your world I'm has changed believer. hasn't it yeah so uh-huh. I, I was doing a demo <laughs> off a, a new data set yesterday and i was like just thinking to myself holy crap 
Yep. It's it's it, yeah. I mean, I I am a believer now in, in terms of the speed. You're right. From an efficiency, it's those little seconds. It's a couple this it, little frustration. Yep. Yeah. And I would say it's really for measures. Correct. It's like measures and things like you, and you know you've written them. They're in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's if you're on a three or four or five table thing, mm, probably not a big deal. If you right. don't have a lot of columns in a table, mm, probably not a big deal. But as soon as you start getting like four or five or six tables. And when mm-hmm. it, when you open them up, the list becomes scrollable. It just gets a little bit harder to find things. And if, and again, another pattern. Again, I hope you use this as well. Like if you if you name your measures with a common pattern, sum wow, of, average of, whatever. All around, yeah. You can just type the word sum, and then all the measures just appear yeah. across all tables that are there. So I'm like, there's a little bit. Again, we may be polishing. You know, this, this may be a polishing activity where we're you know <laughs> we're trying to like maximize every second out of every day we do things with. <laughs> but like you know. This potentially could save you just a little bit of time here and there about looking well, for and finding from stuff. column names to even you just searching the table. The search is very intelligent, and so yeah, I yeah. Uh, agreed. I, I I am definitely on the other side. Now, it's only for objects for for the formatting pane. I, no, no, uh, that, I'm telling that you, the format is a completely different experience. Okay, so this is what I was talking about. The format yeah. pane helps you find those features. But I, I literally lose context to yeah. where the feature's coming from because it doesn't take me to like where the feature is. It basically hides everything else. And to Seth's point, it searches the visuals settings and the general settings. And then I get all I screwed up. I know. Like there's not which enough context for me. To- which is interesting why why the behavior of those two things, even though they're right next to, next to each other, is mm-hmm. different, right? Because you do retain the table. Mm-hmm. in field search well which yeah. Yeah. i don't like the searching in the separating things in the properties pane right yep. like retain where it's coming from so i have that placeholder like oh yeah now i know i, I recall <laughs> i'm mm-hmm. remembering or you're showing me where this property you know is when i have 10 of them show yeah. up once in a while i i will say for models that i'm very very familiar with that i'm using I'm still tending, like I'm habitually still just going to the column or table that I know mm-hmm. measures in. Yes. But for for new things, I like I said, I don't have to search a lot or be very, as precise. Yes. And it, like display folders, the whole thing. It's mm-hmm. been yeah. So it's good. Th- this year, both football and now search and Power BI enlightened too. Yeah. I we, never we have, watched. We're changing too. you, Tommy. We're we're changing you. I'm a full blooded American. So, <laughs> I mean, weren't you born in America? The whole, like, haven't you been in America the whole time? I know, but I, I have a buddy. I talk more Italian. <laughs> pol- I talk more Italian politics shop than I I did Americans at one point. So, oh I'm watching football. I'm enjoying Budweiser. It's I'm crazy. I'm looking forward to the day when we can all when we do the podcast from Italy, and <laughs> and Tommy is just. Uh, we're we're going to do it with a tablecloth that ha- I don't know if this is even an Italian thing, but the tablecloth that's red and white checkers and Tommy's sitting there with a massive bowl of pasta and we are just having Tommy, you know, uh, cigarettes, wine and pasta. Like we're just sitting there hanging out and and, and enjoying uh, some some culture there. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be obnoxious. <laughs> More so than the normal? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that... It amps up. It amps up from here. Oh, hey, oh, oh. you lobbed that one to me in that one. That was an easy oh, that All of a sudden I'll have an accent like, in my, in my town, I'll come over here. <laughs> oh, my mother. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Okay. All right. On to real topics now. We've burned 
literally all the time talking about things. Uh, so thank you very much for hearing us. We're going to get into our real topic today. Uh, the real topic for today is should we hide objects inside Power BI? Um, and I'm going to take some liberty here and kind of go, well, there's objects. I think I think what you're asking about this one, Tommy, and the question here is you're thinking about like objects in like the filter pane. But I'm also, as as I do with many things here. You can always ask before the podcast. I don't like it. I want to surprise you. Surprise. I'm changing the topic on, on live air here. Um, or, you know, could could this be also, Tommy, hiding, uh, you know, visuals or using bookmarks to hide things? Like, okay. Objects. I, Seeing how the title said hide objects always? I don't know. A visual is an object. We start Seth, I'll let describing. you. All right, all right. Seth, you take it from here and, and no, recover this. Tommy, Tommy's going well, to describe <laughs> what, are, what objects and where are we talking about yeah. so we can narrow down the focus of conversation. I'm not going to use patronization here, even though the agenda clearly says like display folders and perspectives, which are all I know. So okay. this actually does come from a previous episode. We were, we were talking about display folders or measure tables. And also in the search where there's a lot of clutter in our model. And I think the the real original uh, the real topic here question is, is it a best practice and should we always be hiding columns, objects, me even measures at different points or tables in our model in the canvas view? Yes. Uh, what are the limitations here? Is that important? And uh, Greg actually commented, I believe last night, where do we really need it if we're hiding it? What, uh, what does it affect and why is it a beneficial aspect? Uh, you should definitely hide all the pie charts. The the chat the chat agrees with me here. Any pie chart should be immediately hitting on all reports. So you can build them, but you must immediately hide it and then move on to building we're, your normal. I report. think we're speaking specifically to like columns, the model. <laughs> no, I'm just so teasing. again, again. So. so I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on some of the technique I like to use. Again, I think we're not technically you know beginner developers inside Power BI. So I think we're probably using external tools a bit more than other people. So I'm going to I'm going to kind of preface my comment with that. If I'm using Tabular Editor 3, I'm writing scripts and I'm automating as much as I can to help me automate the movement of pieces in the model. Some things that I'm doing now that I think are are very relevant are some patterns that I'm following that I think make sense is I like making folders for my measures. I like putting my measures in the fact tables they come out of. So if you're building measures or a star schema, most of your measures should be living in the fact tables. And then if you write some scripting, you can automatically add columns and the name of the measure uh, with the script. And so what I'm doing now is I'm making a folder, grabbing all the numerical columns using a, you know, some syntax sugar, some of the name of the column. And then I'm moving both the column that it came from, hiding that column, uh, making it not visible to the end user and moving the measure into a folder called calculations. So I'm trying to kind of simplify the model a little bit. Um, so I would say anytime you're building a measure on a column and you want to uh, explicitly call out the calculation for that measure, I would recommend you hide that column and do not expose it and actually force people to use the measures uh, within, that mo within the model. So I would hide those columns that the measures are relying on. Unless they're absolutely needed, like a dimension type thing. So that's that's one thing that I would I would do. Seth, what are your your opinions as I propose the questions? I, I'm I'm more aligned with that. I I can't say that. Um, I'm 
putting it into practice a lot, right? Because a lot of our, a lot of the models that the team has spent a, a lot of time on the last couple of years have all been for embedded reporting. So it, like nobody's seen them except us, okay. right? So you, you, it, it does add a bit of scale, but at the same time, like we're, you, it's not a data set other people are using. And I think that to me is the most, most distinct thing. If I'm going to start hiding things, it's going to be because a wider audience outside of uh, the, the BI group is going to be interacting with it. And I want to shape that a little bit better, like shape their experience better so that, you know, to Mike's point, you're, you're using my explicit measures instead of, um, you know, generically implicitly using, you know, the columns that are there, et cetera, but I could make it, you know, a use case for both kind of thing. Um, I, I just don't have an opinion of like being able to like always do something all the time because I think the like I said, I think those data sets are are for when you're sharing out to an internal audience. Would you say, so what are the other impacts then? Because what what I can think of is when you hide something from the model, it's not only in a sense invisible to when you're uh, using the canvas unless you say view hidden. It's also hidden in uh, personalized visuals. It's it's hidden in analyze mm -hmm. in Excel. It's yep. hidden for there's no way yeah. to unhide it when you're connecting to that data model correct in in another report so yep. there is an impact it's not just a a, a polished point of view yes. it actually has an impact on other dependent models um so that being said i i would always do it from a polishing point of view where it's like well i don't need those columns like let's say you had a lot of date a dim date table and mm, there's yeah. a lot of like yeah extra columns in there yeah extra columns Maybe yeah. not need all the time, even. You, you where... loaded the entire SQL BI data oh boy. Date table, and uh, I can't even open up the DAX statement. that query. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the statement that they wrote. The I'm a, I'm a little bit annoyed by it because every time you click on anything in that table, for some reason the the DAX editor decides like says, oh, "I'm going to give you the whole table all the time." You, the computer you lose starts the entire slightly. <laughs> you lose the entire report page because the DAX right. statement is so long. But so, but those points, there are dependencies and there are aft, like effects or things that can affect other people or other models that are important to consider. Um, well, for me, me, yeah. I'm going to jump in before you move on to the next thought. Sure, sure. I see you're, I think you're already thinking the next step here. One thing I would like to use hiding and showing of items. I don't know if you could automatically do this, but one of my main challenges with Power BI Desktop is as you build things, I bring in engineered data from the Power Query. Once I bring that information into the report, I don't necessarily know how all of the visuals and filter panes tie back to the model when I'm done. So there's always this, this like cleanup effort. And that's, there's some tools that have been made out in the community that help you clean up your data model on removing objects that are not used, right? So if I have a measure that references two columns, I need to keep those two columns to support the measure. But if you look at the end of your report build, potentially there's some things you may want to remove from the model just because they're not being used. So I would like a feature or it would be nice if I could do something, some automation inside desktop where I could hide everything. And then as I bring it over to the report canvas, it becomes unhidden. And so by the time I'm done building, I have just a handful of things that have been unhidden wherever those measures or things have been used in a conditional formatting thing in a filter pane in the visual because then I could see truly what was left after that whole aspect and again I, I, I'm not saying this is a feature that needs to be developed right away but in my mind there's some kind of work around here that I feel like 
I, I want a better way to understand what of my model have I consumed inside to make the report go and then hide everything else. What, what have I put in my reports? I, I'm trying to follow there. Like, I think I'm there. I'll hit you but at 35 every, minutes. Every, so, so what we're suggesting though is every column that may be a reference to a calculation and is well, not needed on its own. Correct. Should be, should be hidden. I think so. But there's the, but there inherently then should always be a dependency prior to a column being hidden. Otherwise, why is it in your model? That and that's that's also my point there too. Like, so I don't have a good way of like. There's nothing. I can't run something in desktop that says, "Show me all the stuff that's used," and then I can have like you know a red green list right. of things in the in the filter, the fields pane that shows me, oh, these ten things were never used in your model. Yeah. I mean, this may be something that Microsoft works on where they say, hey, Microsoft should have part of your desktop build. At the end, it should be analyze my model. And it does an right. analysis of the report page, everything in there, and then talks to your data field and say, hey, did you want me to analyze this? By the way, here's five fields we think you're not using. You may re We may recommend you either hide them or remove <laughs> them. Like, it's that kind of feature that I'm thinking about. But again... Mm -hmm. I don't, See, I don't need yeah. to be nice to have. But the, I think those are still two separate discussions on what's unnecessary and yeah. honestly, like what's clutter from an organization when I'm in the canvas view, because there may be dependencies that I'm doing in Power Query, or there may be dependencies I'm doing in DAX, but I'm never needing to display or visualize that particular column. And I think to me, those are two big, those are very significant differences. Um, I don't know if that's always the case, but I, I can, I'm assuming you guys too could think of multiple scenarios where that's the case, where you need to reference a column in a DAX measure. And I know some of the, those, those tools do that where they'll actually look at the DAX to see if there's any other dependencies on a column, but I may never need to visualize it. Another, I'm going to give you another kind of example here of where I think you should be always hiding something. So this is another, I think you should always do best practice. I guess I would maybe call You're this always one. always telling people what to do. I know. Just <laughs> listen to me and you'll be fine, right? Just use the fil the search pane already. Or, or the opposite, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're better off. Anyway, tell me, Mike, what should so, I do? <laughs> so this in, guy had a podcast. Inside <laughs> the fact tables to the dimension table. So again, I'm I'm talking star schema oh, here. There's definitely yeah, there's yeah, definitely yeah. exceptions to this where you might have um you know a bi-directional filter. Again, I don't recommend them. Mm -hmm. You may have a one-to-one -one relationship that happens. So again, I'm going to talk very specifically to a, a, a use case. This is where I have the dimension table and the fact table, and I have a relation that goes from one to many. On the one side, you may need that dimension inside the report. So if as you look at that relationship. You know, sometimes it's like ID, right? An ID typically is not really used in reporting very often. You're usually probably using the name of something in a dimension table. So you might be able to hide that. However, I would say if that ID is a text string that links to a fact table that has a text string, I would definitely recommend hiding because it's literally the same data twice. Because if you put that those two columns together in the same table, Ideally, those numbers should just, you should just have a match one-to-one -one of all those relationships because that's how it works inside Power BI. On the, on the many side, you should most often hide the many side of the relationship. That column does not need to be inside the report. And the reason being is if that dimension table is filtering multiple fact tables, so I have a single date dimension that's spanning multiple fact tables, 
I don't ever want you picking the date column of the fact table. I don't want to display that information. Rather, I would want you to pick the date or description field from the dimension table because that way multiple measures are being filtered prior to, um, you know, it, it, it's doing the filtering before it executes the calculations in each of the fact tables. I know this gets very technical. I, it, it sounded easier in my head and it all of a sudden got like way into the weeds here, but like it's a very nuanced thing, but I think it's very user-friendly when you do that. Uh, and it's also part of the best business practice analyzer recommendations to hide those, but you just don't need them. So um, I'll throw that one in there in the mix as well. I think that's an area where you will always hide the many side of the relationship uh, inside uh, your data tables. And there may be some cases where you want to hide both sides of the relationship. It just doesn't make sense to keep those ID columns around. That makes well, sense to me. Did we, did we mention hierarchies too? Because oh, I someone think, in the chat was mentioning that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And that's uh, another... I agree with that one as well. The, the, the elements of the hierarchy should be hidden and you should only let the entire hierarchy show as the unhidden column. I like that as well. I'm trying to find yeah. the chat. Who said that in the chat? Yeah, because I can hide the columns and then still keep everything displayed in the hierarchy. So yeah, I mean, I think that Greg pointed out a point, like if you're hiding it, you don't need it, you should delete it. I, I honestly... I would disagree with that more often than not, because I think there's a so much optimization you can do, but I think there's a lot of use cases where sometimes you do need to show or display. One thing that we have not talked about enough that I'm still frustrated is not a global available feature is perspectives in Power BI. Mm -hmm. It's you, available. You can't, you can't build them. It obeys them, them, but you can't build them yet. No, and the other part is the only really use case for it is personalized visuals. There's or, yeah, is that is that the only use case for them? I believe you can't use it if you're doing the uh, connect to a model. It's personalized visuals. Well, I I so okay. From uh, I yeah. was just on a call recently, and so, it's so funny how you bring these things up, Tommy. Like right when I'm talking about this stuff, so I had another um, client uh, kind of talk to me about exactly that thing. Like, hey, we have. Uh, perspectives and they were so this is i think perspectives is a analysis services feature that was kind of brought over to power bi it's it's okay. a it's it's the idea a, a user can show up and they're able to observe the model with a certain perspective right to cool. be very clear here perspectives are not security so if you're trying to hide tables or elements from people the row level security is not i mean the the object right. dang it what's the heck is it called again just escaped my mind what feature are we talking about right now? Perspectives. I was reading the chat and I just told yeah, perspectives. Sorry. Gosh, I need to get some more sleep. This is this is gonna be rough today. Um, but that is a that is a concept where you have, you know, if I have too many tables and I'm focusing on the perspective of like sales, so this this is where you could have two entire star schemas inside a model and it's serving both needs, or there's a, maybe a couple shared dimensions, and I'm trying to uh, show people a lens of the world in a group of tables or not. So I think that makes sense, but I think this is also a carryover feature from analysis services. And as a company was migrating from AAS to Power BI, they were using perspectives and they found that if you use the XMLA endpoint, if you use the access data set from the regular Power BI um, connector in Power Query, you don't have the ability of changing the perspective. However, if you use the analysis services connector, you do have the ability of bringing in the report with the perspective pre-applied. Oh, so you really? Can, you can bring in the thin report with a pre-applied um, 
perspective. But now so, you're connecting from Power BI data set. Correct. So, so there's so to me there's like some there's something weird in the connectors yeah. between the two that are not quite the same, you know, bits and bytes at this point. So sure. I would so I would, what I would say though is I think Microsoft has continued closing the gaps on things like that. And so I feel like since and Azure Analysis Services is the same thing under the hood. It's the superset of, you know, Power BI data sets are the right. superset of analysis services. They'll probably get there. It's just probably not the most important fruit on the tree at this point. They're they're probably trying to pick the low hanging fruit now of like, you know, right. um, scale out. Right. That's right. probably a more important feature right now than just working with perspectives. Yeah. It's probably a less used feature because yeah. that's why it's not there yet. But it makes sense because you could hide basically create hide certain objects for certain people. Yes, correct. So, and so I think that goes to like if you were to really ask like, why should you hide objects to me and agree or disagree, there's two, the two major regions of reasons to hide objects are one for your own development as you build a report, but two for a self-service side of it or a thin report where you have all the back end, but really for a thin report, the only thing that needs to be visualized or shown is mm -hmm. what can be used in the canvas or what can be used from uh, yes. creating a measure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the only the only way this makes sense to me is, is like to invest that kind of time and or confusion even within my own team is if I have to like if, yeah, if I'm I would... simplifying somebody else's life then it makes a lot of sense if it's like I'm gonna hide this stuff because of some theory that it's better for my team that they don't use a column when I created this measure like eh, right like I'm you're, you're creating more confusion I think than than solving in those cases. Mm -hmm. um, the the thing I want I, I did want to make a point about perspectives and the investment in time, but though because if I, I would wonder, or think I, I think about how what is the percentage of of data models in Power BI or data sets that are actually in the realm of needing a perspective, right? Because perspectives gives like a smaller subset of a view of a really large model to help end users figure it out better, and and I would probably guess that the vast majority of you know models out there are are not that complex right people are building a lot yeah. of very small you know um report specific models that you know it is what it is as opposed to you know investing in supporting something like perspectives where i i think you had to a lot of the due diligence and building of something to get it into analysis services which was much more deliberate Mm -hmm. than than it is nowadays right because you can do it so fast and quick and power bi helps you do it and it's not yep. an antiquated interface that's really difficult right. to work with and etc cetera, etc cetera. so i think that makes sense I, to me. I, I have had success with the perspective with perspectives and personalized visuals though because you okay. really minimize the that's what i was going to go after yeah. yeah so i i think that's a really solid use case of like hey look i only want you to use one of three measures for right. this yeah. line chart or this bar chart like i think that's a really good feature um the downside of that is it would be just nice to do it in desktop. So like, it, right. you know, so that that's where I'm a little bit lost here because this is a feature. It's like, there's a lot of features you can do things in like, you can't create calculation groups in desktop yet. Like yeah. it's just not possible. So like, this is another one of these things that I think, I think more people would naturally use perspectives if I could say, okay, on the visual click, right click, make perspective. And then it gives me the model. And I just pick the columns I need and say, mm. you know, bar chart yeah. one perspective right. and then i can Im immediately attach that to that so it gives me the right so in in one degree like the personalized visuals is really powerful here 
because I can I can build a report that I think is needed and then let the user shape the report a bit more. So we're not doing a bunch of revision. You don't want a bar chart? You want a table? Fine. Just right. change it yourself. Here's like your I don't 10 objects you can choose from not a hundred. Whatever, turn it into a pie chart. I don't right. care. Like it's not adding any value to me. I, I'm not going to control that, but I'll give you a, a good starting point with what I think is best practice right. for visuals. You take it further and do whatever you want. But I do think that adding that additional perspectives piece really does help limiting those right. objects. I think it's almost necessary. I don't is there let me ask this question. In personalized visuals, anyone who's out there on the chat or whatever, is there a search window for a field in personalized visuals? So if you're using a personalized visual and you're trying to find a column or measure, is there a search window in it? I don't know. I believe there is, but for I don't think that helps the user because they don't know the model. They, I mean, well, they're just going to be searching for random things. Like they right. could pick. Some, yeah, you're right. They could pick something that just doesn't even make sense. So yeah, I, I'm with you on that one, Tommy. I think I would definitely like to see more perspectives for that feature alone. Right. I, I would say from a global point of view, outside of perspectives, if we're gonna say, should you hide something in a global model? I, I would still say if you're if you're building a gold data set, you should plan for self-service and I should plan from a developer connecting to this report. And I may, or maybe I'm asking a question here, I, I'm not sure yet, but if you're building a gold data set and a developer is gonna connect to that, but also a self-service business user, Yes. And I think there's, yes. a, there's a difference here. So I'll, I'll stop there. I don't know what the question no. or comment is, but I'll let you. This is where my head was going, honestly, Tommy. Like, mm -hmm. I, so you say a golden data set, and I'm going to use a different term here that's kind of more in line with like the Master. Microsoft. It, well, it's the adoption roadmap is a kind of a yeah. bit more in line there, right? Enterprise BI or, yeah. or that governed BI data set, right? So the, hiding things and how the model is being consumed, right? If we think about the pyramid, again, I'm going to really pick on Matthew Roach here again with his, with his pyramid diagram. Excellent diagram, love it, right? If you think about the number of data sets you have at the upper end of your organization, the very highly governed, very controlled, those are the ones you're spending a lot of time making sure that they're very easy to consume. Odds are the higher up that, that platform you go, you're probably trying to give more exposure to people to not just the report, but the report and potentially the data sets so people can build their own information off of the story of the truth. So I really like that. And I think perspectives and these kind of things make sense at that upper enterprise data set level. However, at the further down we go that pyramid, the more personalized it becomes. And I think there's a lot more leniency to not use these type of features because this is the challenge we've always had when we talk in the podcast. Do I spend a ton of time stylizing and, and polishing? just to get something out the door that people may never look at, that doesn't make sense either. So like there's this other hand of this where like, if I don't really know if I'm building something of immense value, I'm not gonna spend a bunch of time customizing it and making it beautiful. I'm just gonna get something out the door to get people to react to it. Because a lot of times, as you're going through this development cycle, the report is built, people look at it, and they're like, eh, I need another feature. Okay, another feature added. Okay, build another report or add more to it. And so you're, over the next two weeks, you have all these additional requirements that you never had before. And it's frustrating because you're like, oh, this is driving me up the wall. So I, I think I think there's some other things there that make a lot of sense as well. So I don't know if I helped or hurt that comrade, Tommy. Uh, yeah, honestly, though, I, I would say that's the kind of the complicated, the, the consideration you always have to do because you can't create the two views. And I think that's the biggest problem mm -hmm. is I can't say here's one enterprise governed model and for these users they're going to get this view but for these users who are self-service they're going to get the much limited simplified version 
And I think for me, that that's a huge hindrance here where I, I really want to hide as much as possible, to be honest, mm-hmm. like, because yeah. I, I want to think about the self-service point of view. But then if like, I, I've had the issue where I, I created a government model, I'm connecting to it. I'm like, oh, I need to get that one column, son of a gun. I hit it. Yep. So, and there's no, in a sense, way to reshow it. It, it. In a sense, it's like it doesn't exist from the visual view. So that I would say then, I guess, if you didn't answer this already, but where would you lean then in terms of are you building or hiding for the self-service, the user, or are you mm. hiding for you more off or like where should you self-service. lean it, it, it's To yeah. me, it's an audience question. Yes. Right? Like if yes. the audience is me, I'm not going to just hide stuff to hide stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm... You can disagree all you want, but <laughs> I know. Like, I know. I, I, just, I don't see the point. I, I know how I'm operating across the fields. I know what they're used yep. for. I know what I want to do like in the model and like, yeah, I, it, to me, it's just overhead. I don't need to create for myself uh, or the team that is working with it versus the intent of it is this is a data set that you want people using. And Agreed. especially because we don't have perspectives, like you would need to make it as simple as possible to digest. And and there is, there and could that's be speaking tons to going of clutter, towards tons of clutter AI. and yeah. Right. And to your point, Mike, right, like key things like making sure that like um, I would agree, hi, like hide the ID column in the fact table, because yeah. that's going to get somebody in trouble. In trouble. Start. Yeah. Like, it doesn't right. work. I'm, I, I'm using this ID Correct. and it doesn't filter So you're filter already anything. trying to teach yeah. them like facts and dimensions, right? Like here, use this when you want to slice and dice. But if they see a, a an ID in both tables, they're just going to pick one and then things are going to blow up on them and they're not going to make It's not going to make sense for them. Right. So I, that that's my that's where I would view it. Kevin Arnold also points out here as well that there is a also option around hiding some things. I just want to bring up another point. He says composite models are also another area where you'd want to use perspectives because composite models could be entirely two separate models that you're bringing a bunch of data together or I'm picking out tables from different models and pulling them together. Uh, you may need to pare that down as well. So there may be right. too much information. So I think that's a great example there. But I would also argue if you're in the realm of composite models, you're probably already beyond like the self-service BI you, pieces of things yeah. at this point. And you're, you're really trying to work on, uh, you know, really shaping together a clean and well-designed model. I, you may need to read that one more time because it's a better option than perspectives. You don't use perspectives with composite models in a composite model. I can choose the objects I want to bring in. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I said, yes, that's what I meant with, to say. Correct. Right. The other way around. Yeah. Yeah. Think but about again, a composite model before you think about a perspective. Right. But again, but that's a developer point of view, though, because I, self-service, uh, good luck trying to find what's relevant. You know, when we're when we say the self-service, you really have to think about someone, you know, like having an easy user interface, like you're building an app for them with the data that's only relevant to them. I, they don't need to necessarily know the entire model. They really just need to know what's relevant for them, relevant for them. Category, yeah. subcategory, sales. Love it. So I, I think there's some really good points here. And, you know. Uh, just, I, again, I want to just stress this idea of what you said, Seth, I think as my final thought here, as we kind of like wrap here a little bit, but I think my final thought of this one is, right, thinking about how we take these models, right, the further up that pyramid you go, the more you go towards a governed data set, the more rigor you're going to have around service level agreement, you're going to clean a bit more, you're going to hide some more things. And I think also the, the further up that pyramid you go uh, towards that governed space, Yes, there'll be less data sets to manage, but you're really trying to get the maximum amount of usage. If you're spending all this time to make the data model, we really need to consider how can we get as many people as possible to use it? 
that's maximizing your effort, whether it's you're building a great report or you're even just exposing the model altogether to, you know, certain people in the spokes of your business that are going to be able to connect right. to it and build their own stuff. Like, right. again, the more you can simplify that model, I think you're right, Seth, it makes it a whole lot easier for other people to consume. And that's really what it's all about. Any other final thoughts for you guys? You took, you took my thought and added your final thought. So it's, I think it's a combined effort there. All right. So Seth and I have it's done teamwork. our final thoughts. Yeah, we did teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work. Oh, I was going to say that. You took it right out of my mouth. That's right. Tommy, anything else you want to kind of like wrap on or things you want to add around here? No, I'm going to add, I'm just going to keep with you guys. So we're all on the same page ending in a nice little way. Uh -huh. Yeah. Oh, God. We all agree. And I'm not sure yeah. on what Look at this. Is. This is the... All right, mark it down. Episode one eighty two or one eighty one. Uh, the the time that all three of us agreed on the same thing here. Uh, be efficient, not lazy, like Mark says. I agree with you, Mark. Um, you know, be a lazy engineer or or be an efficient engineer, however you want to call it. Uh, build it once, make it work every time, and then move on. So and use Tableau uh, Editor three. And use Tableau Editor three. <laughs> it's it's worth it's worth the price of a mission to get that tool. Hundred percent. They could triple it. I would be like, yeah, fine, kind of thing. And Tommy's I'm got an Uber too, so to get Tommy's that, uh, got oodles of scripts that make you go faster too. So go check out the Power BI Tips GitHub for that one because you can get you know 60, yeah. 50, 50, 60 plus odd scripts yeah. to help you build better data models faster. So love it. Uh, with that, I'll just say thank you everyone for participating. The chat has been very lively. Thank you all, chat, for participating. Um, we we thank you so much for just kind of adding your comments. There were some great ideas also in here of things you should hide or not hide. So chat thank you very much we appreciate you um with that our only ask if you like this episode if you enjoy what we we're talking about if the first 20 minutes of us rambling uh interested you and then you actually enjoy the topic later on we'd love for you to share it uh if nothing else you can also share the video at the timestamp when we actually talked about real content so more than welcome to share that as well uh we appreciate that and um if you it helps us if you give a, a thumbs up and a like to this com or like to this conversation and or a comment because it tells YouTube you liked it and uh, it helps other people find the content as well. Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? So real quick, our user group is Thursday, not today. So next Thursday, the 26th. I just need to say that in case you saw the other uh, announcement. You can find the podcasts anywhere they are available on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you like a podcast, you can find us. Uh, join the conversation live every Tuesday and Thursday, 7.30 a.m. Central and on PowerBI.tips. Remember, remember the day when we had to do these outros and we were just so bad at it? It's gotten so much better nowadays. Man, for those of you who are listening from episode one, man, we've really like, you know, somewhat refined the technique here so it's not half as bad as it was. So thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week.